I want you to turn with me again to 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. I want to finish what we started last week about revelation that produces transformation. And we're going to actually close out. We've been studying about transformation for a few weeks. Um, but tonight I want to try to, to bring it to a close for this, for this season. But over, if you look in Ephesians 1.17, and you don't have to go there, but at some point if you're taking notes, Paul is praying over the church at Ephesus, and I love this prayer. I want to pray it over us tonight. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that our eyes the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and would cause us to know what is the hope of his calling for us, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance to us as his children, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. God is always revealing himself to us if we're looking, if we're for wanting to see. Proverbs 29, 18, I'll do a little bit of, um, uh, of going back over things. Says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The, CSV, the CSB Bible says, without revelation, people run wild. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. We need fresh revelation. We need to see God high and lifted up, not living off of last week's or last year's blessing or encounter. We serve a living God and his word is living and active. A.W. Tozier said, if, if Bible Christianity is to survive the present world upheaval, we shall need to recapture the spirit of worship. We shall need to have a fresh revelation of the greatness of God and the beauty of Jesus. We started out this study in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 where it says, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So one degree at a time, we're being changed, moved from glory to glory. And we have been studying that um, transformation occurs one act of obedience at a time, one act of surrender. It's not that we just move from here to here. There's a part that we play in that. We are physical representations of Christ and we're being changed as we look into the face of God from glory to glory, a degree at a time. We learned that transformation is both a miracle from God and the stewardship of man. That transformation is immediate at salvation, but it's also progressive. It's also something that we grow in. It's an act of our will. It's an intentional act. So I want you to look with me Again, at 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 9. 
But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them or made them known to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So we have been studying about transformation. Uh, the transformation comes through surrender. It comes through discipleship. It comes through obviously and initially at the, our new birth, but it also comes when we become not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. It comes through abiding in his presence. And we're looking now at transformation coming through revelation. It's the spirit of God dwelling in us that gives life to our mortal body, that reveals Christ to us. Um, John six sixty three, Jesus said, it is a spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I asked this question last week, and it's going to kind of set us up for where we're going here in just a few moments, but I asked how often do we pray for more faith, for more anointing, for more freedom, more strength, I've added a couple things, more peace, more of the Lord, when what we need to pray is um, for a fresh revelation of who God is in us and what has already been given to us. When you look at Ephesians 1 and 3, it said, Blessed be the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So we have been given the keys to the kingdom. We've been made to sit in heavenly places. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. The, the, what what um, holds us up is that we don't always know everything that we've been given or have access to. And that's where studying the word comes in. That's where praying comes in. And I love what Andrew Womack said and put it in this context text. These are not blessings to be sought after, but rather blessings to be discovered and enjoyed. We need a revelation of what we've already been given. Isn't that powerful? Uh, revelation means an uncovering, a removal of the veil. It's a disclosure of what was previously unknown to us. It's God manifesting himself to us uh, in a way that we can know him and fellowship with him. We looked last week, which is one of my favorite, um, really, scriptures. There's many. In Matthew 16... When Jesus is passing through Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they responded quickly and said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some, uh, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? He was probing a little bit deeper. And Peter immediately responds and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Have you ever been around someone 
that literally you love to just sit in their presence because you know they've been with God and it just fresh revelation runs from them. Marilyn uh, is in heaven now. Andres was one of those people. And we would go to lunch. Frank and Shirley are like that. I take my tablet and my purse because I want to pull it out and make sure that I can write down all of those little nuggets. When you have a revelation of God, it flows from you. It flows to other people. I remember when I was 16 and we moved to um, Tishomingo, Oklahoma. And I was a junior in high school and my mom would always pray when we moved where to go to church. And so she felt to go to uh, Tishomingo Assembly of God. And from the get-go of meeting Brother and Sister Hall, they were both pastors, co-pastors. I remember saying to the Lord as a young, young girl of 16, I said, I want a double portion of what she has. When we would go on trips, I wouldn't hang with the other teenagers. We would be on the bus. I wanted to sit by Sister Hall. I wanted to hang out with her. I'd go hang out at her house. There was just something, uh, she, la- she had the best laugh. She loved to have fun. And, but she just uh, spent so much time in the presence of God that I loved being around her. And you know, from the book of Genesis to the Revelation, we find instances of where God revealed himself. You know, in, with Adam, he would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. All the way to the book of Revelation chapter 1 where we find John the Revelator and he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's in the presence of God but he hears a loud voice behind him. And he turns and he looks and he sees one like the son of man standing amongst the seven golden lampstands. And he begins to describe him in detail that his eyes are like fire and and, uh, he's got on a long robe and he's got on a sash of gold and his feet are like burnished brass and out of his hand is coming the uh, seven stars and out of his mouth a two-edged sword and his eyes were would just pierce he saw God and in the middle of there we find Acts somewhere and we see um, the uh, we see Saul on his way to Damascus he has orders to persecute the Christians. He's well-educated. He thinks he's doing the right thing. And on the way, he sees this bright light. He's knocked to the ground. And he, uh, God begins to speak to him. He has an encounter that changes him from Paul the persecutor to the apostle Paul, the pillar of the church. When you have a revelation of God, you cannot stay the same. Even if you backslide and walk away, I dare say that you can never stay the same when you have encountered God in a profound and prolific way. And God wants us to encounter him day after day. I I love how the Holy Spirit works. I picked up Streams in the Desert today, uh, a devotional. It was a newer one. I had stopped somewhere and found one, and it literally fell open to October 22nd which was more toward the end of the book than anything. And here is the scripture, Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but it was not consumed. And I love what the devotion goes on and says. It says, the vision of the angel of the Lord came to Moses while he was involved in his everyday work. That is exactly where the Lord delights in giving his revelations. He meets us in our daily life of communion with him, even if it's in the ordinary or when we are on the back side of the desert. We often feel that, and, and I thank God, so don't take away, I'm one that loves to go to conferences. I love to go. I love to be in settings where there's study going on, and I believe that we should strive for those things, but we often think that's where we're going to meet God when many times if we'll just stop and look, he will meet us in the ordinary or on the backside of the desert or when we're driving along in our car and we're all by ourselves, and we all of a sudden tears will begin to flow and the power of God will feel that car. We're listening to a worship song or we're just um, dwelling on the presence of God in the ordinary and there is God bringing a revelation of how great he is, how powerful he is that we're so overcome that I've even heard people say I had to pull off the side of the road. I was praying in tongues and couldn't even see to drive. That's what God does. In the everyday, the ordinary. Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote a poem with one particular stanza that that lets us see a little deeper into this encounter that Moses had with God. It, he said, she said, earth crammed with heaven. And every common bush of fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest of us sit around and pick blackberries. How long has it been since we saw earth so crammed with God and the holy in, in our everyday that we took off our shoes. We stopped and we just fellowshiped with God. Because he showed up. It's worth noting that the relationship between God and Moses grew so intimate that in Exodus 33 and 11, it said the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face just as a man speaks to his friend. And if you go on and finish out that verse, you will find that it said, and Joshua, the son of Nun, would not leave the tent. Joshua was the assistant to Moses and he watched that relationship. He saw the power in the presence of God that would come down upon the tent. And he wanted what Moses had. And because of that, he ended up being the one that led the children of Israel into the promised land once Moses passed away. God is looking for people that will encounter him. Revelation produces transformation. I love what Max Lucado said. He said, we Christians are always in the presence of God. There is never a non-sacred moment. His presence never diminishes. Are aware of his presence, presence may falter, but the reality of his presence never changes. Open the eyes of my heart, God, that I can see. 
His word instructs us to grow in the knowledge of God, 2 Peter 3, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Colossians 1 and 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Priscilla Shire said, God wants to turn our knowledge of him into our experience of him. Job had a revelation of God that changed the trajectory of his relationship. Listen to this. In 43 and 5, he said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Something changes when you see the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the temple. Something changes. God reveals himself to us in various ways all the time. He reveals himself to us in the glory of creation. Isaiah 40 says this, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Look up, lift up your eyes on high. Look around you, church. The activity of God is everywhere you look. Every rainbow, every clap of thunder that you hear, every streak of lightning, the stars that are in the sky, that's the glory of God before us. The, the psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There's an important verse over in Romans 1 and 20. I'm gonna read it out of the New Living. Every since the creation of the world, God has made the knowledge of himself evident to all people. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Everywhere you look, his invisible attributes have been clearly seen. Henry Longfellow said, nature is the revelation of God. I want you to look at things different even when you're traveling home tonight. I want you to take a moment and gaze at the beauty of the flowers that are there, at the trees, the branches, as they blow in the wind. That's the activity of God. He's the one that spoke it into existence. It'll put things into a different perspective about how he cares for us. If he knows when a sparrow falls, if he knows how many hairs are on your head, then you can be assured that he is concerned about everything that concerns you. Secondly, God reveals himself through other people. The psalmist said in 145.4, one generation will commend your works to the next and will proclaim your 
your mighty acts. Your life and my life speaks volumes of the way that we live, the things that we say, how that we say them, the faith that we walk in. We don't always want to carry that kind of weight, but I want to tell you it's a privilege and it's an honor because I believe that I am here tonight as a direct result, not only of God saving me in his word, but because of the testimony of people like Sister Hall, people like Helen, many of you that are in this room, that you consistently stay rooted and grounded in the faith. You consistently serve God even when it's hard. Because of that, it speaks to other people. Our lives are a testimony. We're a living epistle written and read by men. And even with our children and those that sometimes see that they're wayward and we may think, does it matter? It matters. It matters how we live. It matters what we say. And long after we're gone, our life is still going to speak something. And so it, we, I want to tell you that, that, um, that we, God reveals himself through us and through other people. He reveals himself through his word. In Psalms 119 and 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. The word of God is is the perfect law of liberty. I spent some good time there on Sunday looking at its pages. In James 1.25, it says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, he will be blessed in all that he does. God reveals himself. There are times when you'll read that word and it's hard. Have you ever been there? Have you ever read it and say, what did I just read or what scripture was I on or did I read that? There are some times when it's difficult, but that word is living and active and it may not in that moment feel like it's producing anything, but it's a seed. And that seed goes down in your heart and it's going to bring forth a harvest. And when you need it, God will bring that Holy Spirit will bring things up that you have read that will carry you through some hard places. Or what I love at this season of my life is things that I've read through the years. I'm like, oh, that ties back to that. Oh, I know there's a beautiful word picture right there I can go back to. There are word pictures, there's symbols, there's history, there's um, prophecy, there is love stories, there's all kinds of things in the word of God and God will reveal himself to us. I will tell you a pivotal point in my life that I have held on to this day. I was 18 years old. I was at the altar and I remember that I was up and down at that point, in and out, up and down, easily swayed, didn't know what I was going to do, felt like I was supposed to go to a particular place to go to school, didn't know how I would do it financially. And I was just back and forth, back and forth. And I would be in the altar, out of the altar, in the altar, keep coming to the altar. And I remember Sister Hall coming to me and saying, Cindy, if you think you can't, you won't. But if you know you can do all things through Christ, you will. 
It changed the trajectory of my life. Not that everything was perfect in that one moment. That one scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not only propelled me to go to Minot, North Dakota with no money and God provided, but it propelled us, has propelled us all through ministry. It propelled me to learn to play the piano at our first church. I would sit on the piano knowing The E-flat chord, that's all I could do the very first Sunday I went up. And from that point, I would go up and sit with the two that played the guitars and the drummer over there, and I learned to play one song and two songs until I could chord and play. It was off of that scripture. That word is revelation. There are some places that you are at right now that you're not sure which way to go, where to turn, how you're gonna make it through, but I speak to you out of fresh revelation the Spirit of God has given to me right in this moment that he is gonna give you a word out of his word that you're gonna be able to stand on and that's exactly what you're gonna have to do because sometimes the answer doesn't come instantaneously. Sometimes the circumstances don't change overnight or right away, but if you have that, word to hold on to that is revelation that God has given to you in that moment and in that season, it's going to carry you through and it will move you from one degree of glory to another. You will not stay the same in your relationship with him. You will have a revelation of who he is that'll change everything. It'll change everything. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We need this word. It's the revealed word and will of God. It is the will of God. Some people are like, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Start with the word. Start with the things that you already know. Praise him like his word says. You want freedom? Begin to praise the Lord like the word says. You need financial relief? Begin to sow your seed through your tithe. Do what you already know to do. That's the revelation of God. And when you do what you know to do before you ever see anything, I promise you, you will see the activity of God. I don't want to just hear about someone else's experience, Sharon. I love testimonies, but I want to walk in the power and the authority and the anointing of God in my own life and God wants that for every single one of us in this room. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. He reveals himself through seasons of suffering. Jesus said, in John 16, the second part, he said, in this world, you will have tribulations. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have some sorrows and some heartaches and some trials. But he said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In Psalms 34 and 19, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Say it with me. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. 
Romans tells us that we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Hope is a tree of life. It'll sustain you. Suffering refers to all kinds of trials that may press in on us. Trials can come in the form of sickness and disease. It can be financial or relational. It can be um, overwhelming loneliness or sorrow from, from losing someone that we love or a, a time of grief. There's many things we can grieve in this life. It can come in the form of a crisis of faith. It can come in the form of depression or oppression. It can come when our mind is vexed when we've been offended and we're, and we're trying to work through that. It can cause us to suffer. And I want to I stop there and, and talk about that for just one moment. Uh, we, we, we're going to be offended in this life. We're going to be offended. It's not if, it's when. It's part of the testing. It's part of the growth. There's just going to be seasons and times where, where the enemy's going to set us up to make sure that we're offended. And it vexes your soul at times. And, it's, and it causes you to suffer because you're at a crossroads. And it's a point where, like other things, you have to say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give this to him. I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm not going to hold on to it by the grace and the help of God. I'm going to die to self. I'm going to, I'm going to die to whatever in me needs to die so that I can decrease and he can increase. Because it's going to happen. And it causes us to suffer. It, it, it may come through the selfishness of another it, 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 it can come in all kinds of ways. One thing's for sure, since the fall of man, suffering has been a part of life. And it carries a sting. Yet in suffering, there's, it's also a place of divine encounter. Because the word says he's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He, he, he knows our weaknesses. He knows where we are. And so we have to remember what 1 Peter tells us about suffering. He says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, when his glory is revealed, when his glory is revealed, in the season of suffering, you may be glad with exceeding joy. I don't like anything about suffering. I don't like it. But it produces perseverance. And it produces character. And then it produces hope. So God reveals himself Paul said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We're going to experience the presence of God on levels that we could not imagine. That's why when you see someone that's walked through difficult places, especially for years at a time, and you will 
look at their face, they glow. There are people that literally, especially when they're coming close to the end of life and they're fixing to transition, there are times when they'll have just this beautiful, youthful glow because they're being changed literally from one level of glory in this life and preparing for the next. There's something that happens in the presence of God. Henry Ward Beecher said, tears are often the telescope by which men see far into heaven. God reveals himself through our worship. It's a place of personal experience, not just singing. Worship is not just singing. It's lifestyle, you're right. Jesus said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's the surrender of ourself and acknowledging the greatness of God, his nature and his character. And the Bible tells us to worship him according to his excellent greatness. That right there will, back the, will break the back of the enemy over you right there. Right there. Just that one command to worship him according to his excellent greatness. I'm going to push through everything. I'm going to push through what I don't understand. I'm going to push through what I don't like. I'm going to push through the offense. I'm going to push through my feelings of inferiority and inadequacies and what I feel like everybody's going to say about me. I'm going to press through every bit of it and I'm going to give you every ounce of glory that you deserve. I'm going to lift my hands in the sanctuary. I am going to dance with all of my might. I am going to lift up your name. I'm going to speak it out loud. I'm going to say there is none like you. I'm going to let my soul sing even when everything within me is in the biggest battle of my life because it does not change the fact of who you are. That right there will move you to levels of glory that you never imagined to just begin to worship God the way the word tells us to. I feel an unction in this house. It would change every service that we ever come into this building if we just praised God the way he deserves. His presence would be so strong in this house that the backslider would have to pull off of the road and come in and see what's happening because he's gonna be drawn by the power of God because we've created such an atmosphere that the glory of God is here. Do you understand that's why hell fights you like he does? If we could just begin to worship, the things that offend us would begin have to begin to take a back seat because our flesh would be surrendered to God. We would not be catering to what our feelings are saying. We're laying them down. We're lifting him up. We're letting him be God in our life. It's no longer I that lives because I cannot free myself from any bondage, but the God that lives in me is God. 
greater than anything that's coming against me. That's where revelation comes in your life. It's where it comes. It's by doing what you already know to do. I'm going to say it again because we're closing out this part. Revelation is waiting for you tonight. Every single one of us in this room, if we would just put down the pretense of self and what we think and what the enemy has said about us and said to us, and we would press through it all, press through everything that presses against us, and we would begin to worship God the way he deserves, the way the Bible tells us to. We would just begin to act on the authority of his word. It would change the trajectory of everything and revival would hit this mountain and nothing would be able to stop it. Because everything and everyone changes in the presence of God. And he's longing for us to have a revelation of him C.S. Lewis says it's in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to men. Jack Hayford said, worship brings ever-deepening and expanding dimensions of God at work in our world. Worship, in a very real sense of the word, opens a doorway to the power of his presence, confounding dark powers and overthrowing sin's destructive operation. Worship. Ha ha, just that right there. If we just started right there and then tagged on all those other things after we got in his presence and let him illuminate himself to us in such a way that he became so much bigger than where we are in this moment and we just had a revelation tonight. God is wanting to give the church a revelation tonight of who he is. How magnificent, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Just that name, Jesus. God reveals him when we pray. Colossians tells us, 4 and 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I love Max Lucado. I'm going to share this again. I've shared it before. We speak, he listens. He speaks, we listen. This is prayer in the purest form. God changes us in those moments. Doug Small says the highest calling of prayer is communion with God. The very essence of prayer is an encounter with God. 